Welcome to the Simply Charlotte Mason podcast. I'm Sonia Schaefer. Today I've asked two friends to join me. We're going to be talking about the unique challenges of homeschooling Charlotte Mason style with a large family. Laura Pitney, Jen Foss, between all of us, we've got 14 kids. Sounds right. Four, six, and four. Yep. All right, so you get the trophy for the largest family here, but um, let's talk about some of the ins and outs of doing homeschooling, Charlotte Mason style, with a larger family. Jen, you want to lead off? You get the largest. You have yes. the, you know, you get the benefit of the first, first pass. Okay, well, I was thinking about this um, topic, and the first thing that comes to my mind is expectations. And I feel like that's something that I have had a difficult time with. Explain what you I, mean by expectations. So my, from the kids, from yourself? From myself, I think, ah. yes. So maybe from the kids too, but mostly from myself mm -hmm. and our homeschool. Um, when we first started homeschooling, I think we all have this picture in our heads of what it's going to look like. And with each child, it becomes less and less <laughs> like a circus. Um, <laughs> right, right. right. Yeah. And so um, messy, beautiful for sure, and wonderful, but um, definitely not that kind of idyllic picture of what you think your you know homeschool family is going to look like. And so my oldest is eighteen. My youngest is one. And yeah, I just think the, okay? expectations, <laughs> <laughs> the expectations that I have for myself in running the homeschool are high and probably mm -hmm. too high at times. And so I really have to um, stop and tell myself, or more yeah. often it's my husband stopping and telling me <laughs> yeah. that um, just, you know, you just have to, when you have a lot of children and you're managing all these multiple ages in your homeschool, it is difficult, and it's yes. a lot, and it's very unique. I was a public school teacher before I homeschooled my own children. And um, and so that's an advantage, everybody thinks. Everybody thinks. But. Right. And <laughs> so, oh, you have to... Um, you have to relearn a lot of yes. things. And so, I mean, advantageous in some ways, but definitely a disadvantage in others. Mm -hmm. And um, But I often think running my homeschool now with six children, and I mean, they're not all doing school yet, but... Um, but you're still managing, you're still managing all, of them. all of them. Yes. Right. It's, it's such a different challenge than, and oftentimes I feel like it's much more difficult than teaching a classroom of almost 30 first graders. And that's no, um, teaching a classroom of almost 30 first graders is very difficult work. Yes. And um, I loved my time as um, a public school teacher. Um, but it's, it's unique in that you just have a lot of ages and grade levels or forms to manage. Mm -hmm. And so um, when I was, when I was teaching school, uh, I spent so much time on those lesson plans and just making sure that everything was just so. And, um, but now I'm trying to do that same thing for all of these different ages for high school, for middle school, for elementary school, for, you know, a preschool age child. And so, um, just managing our expectations, I think is, is huge. Yes. And, um, 
it's it's something that after I mean my my oldest is a senior in high school this year and I'm I'm still trying to manage those <laughs> expectations. So for everybody yeah. watching this, I say, um, I know it's easier said than done, but um, just we just really do have to keep those expectations in mind and and not be too hard on ourselves. I think homeschool moms are so hard on themselves yeah. because we feel like everything is in our hands and. Um, everything, every decision depends on us. And the reality of it is, um, you know, and I've, I've heard this so many times, like we're building the hammock, right? And everybody worries about having holes in your curriculum. And there are going to be holes, but Absolutely. that hammock is going to be strong enough to hold the children up. Yes. There's holes all over it. You mm -hmm. cannot teach them everything, nor do we want to teach them everything. Right. But our goal, we have to remember what that goal is and that goal is the love of learning and we want them to care mm -hmm. um, about what they're learning because if we accomplish that goal then moving forward they're going to want to continue their mm -hmm. education and that's what we want uh, yes there will always be more things to learn absolutely uh, right. every every right. year I'm learning with my so kids every yes. single year yes. and so for sure. So I think maybe reevaluating our goals and remembering why we're doing this in the first place. It's not to mm -hmm. teach them everything in um, their 18 years um, and to do a perfect job of that and to have no holes. That's mm -hmm. not the goal. Mm -hmm. And so um, now I do have two high schoolers. I have a senior and a freshman. And so things are starting to look a bit different as you look forward to, um, you know, if the plan is for your child to go to, go to college, um, you things do start looking a bit different, and they do have to have you know some form of grades eventually. Right. And I always tell my older kids, I don't care what your grade is. I care that you learn this. So just trying to instill that same goal, you know, with them and communicating that with mm -hmm. them. Um, yes, we do have to have grades and that's all going to work out and it's going to be okay. But I care that you know what you're mm -hmm. learning and that you care about what you're learning. And mm -hmm. so I think having those mm -hmm. discussions with them. And I like what you said about making sure you stay com in communication with each child. Yes. And that has to be a challenge. I know it was a challenge with me with just four. Right. Um, Laura, what are some ways that you keep that one-on-one -on -one attention and communication. Yeah. I mean, the more kids you have, the harder that is. You feel like you're yeah. stretched pretty thin. Sure. I definitely feel that way, especially um, as we've kind of crossed over from survival mode of having babies and little ones um, to where now parenting is a lot harder because it's I'm a counselor, I'm a referee, uh, you know, it's like your youngest is eight. Yeah. So um, mine are real close together. So it's like herding cats. Eight to right 13. Yeah. Yes, yeah. eight to 13. So um, mine are kind of really all clumped together, which is great as far as relationships go, because they do have a lot of common interest being that close together. Um, now, practically, um, what our, what I try to do is we have certain school subjects that we do together as a family because we can. I can group the ages together. Um, but once we do our family block or our family time, I try to have one-on-one -on -one time with each kid um, 
for the subjects that need that one-on-one -on -one attention. And that's also opportunity where no other kids are necessarily involved. And so it lends itself to conversations and relationship type things. Not always, but there's at least um, some time allotted one-on-one -on -one with each kid. So even though that yeah. time is during school work, right. you are open to discussing right. personal things. Right. Mm -hmm. I am. And it, usually it comes out eventually because they're like, hey, I got mommy by herself, so yeah. can I ask her about this? Or I really want to tell her about this. And um, I think one of the hard things that I'm going through right now is really having to guard our family time, mm. our school hours, things that should be the priority, but it's easy to let them fall away because I'd rather be doing something else. So really having to guard our family time and our commitments outside the home. I have, uh, you know, one in choir, one in basketball, you know, we have church stuff, we have um, a co-op group. So taking advantage of even car time um, or even though I try to balance those things I, because they are happening, I still try to take advantage of the moments I have with whatever kid that I'm with. And so when you were just mentioning about expectations and knowing your goals, you've also, you and I have also talked about how this year for you, you've looked at each kid individually right. and decided, okay, if I could choose one thing yes. for that specific kid that I can help that kid work on, right. you know, those, that makes things seem so much more manageable. Right. I tend to be like, all or nothing, and I'm thinking, oh, I totally messed up my kid, like, I'm just going to quit now, when really, uh, they're great kids. It's just, I'm choosing to dwell on that character flaw, or something mm. I wish I had trained better, you know, kind oh, of thing. I think it's so, easier for all of us to yeah. see where we're lacking right. than oh, where yes. we're doing a good job. Oh, so. yes. yes. That's, so yeah, when you choose so. one focus, are you talking about a school subject? Are you talking about a character issue habit? Well, I try to I try to look at their school for the upcoming year and choose one school focused goal for each child, like one area that really needs my help and attention for that year. So, um, for example, my um, freshman in high school, uh, he really needs some extra help with just writing it, you know, the, what, um, is needed from him as far as his written narrations and moving towards, um, being able to write essays and that kind of thing. We're moving in that direction. Mm -hmm. And so that is my main focus for him this year. And so each child, I just look at, okay, mm -hmm. where is the biggest, where's that biggest hole that does <laughs> need to, you know, have, have a few a uh, strings going through there. there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so what is that main focus for each kid? Because we can't mm -hmm. do it all. Yes. Now that doesn't mean I'm not doing anything else. Of course, we're still trying our best and everything else. And having a plan, of course, is huge with a large family, mm -hmm. but, um, the plans definitely don't always go as you, know, you as you plan for. Right. And so, um, but just to have really one in trying place to remember important. to have one in yes. place is important. Yes. But I just try to focus on that one thing that is my um, big goal for that child for the year. But I would say other things um, as far as just not letting each child slip through the cracks. Uh, every morning after our morning prayer time, I try to ask my kids, what do you need from me today? And I don't remember where I did not make that up. I, I heard that from someone. And that has been a big 
that was a game changer when, when I started doing that because oftentimes you just have them throughout the day coming to you and, mm-hmm. um, you may not have time to do what they need you to do or what. And so asking them in the morning, what do you need from me today helps them to kind of focus and look at their mm-hmm. day and just sets me up for maybe a little bit more success. Yeah. <laughs> and so at least not to get blindsided. Right, yeah. right, yeah. right. And then I know we both try mm-hmm. to have um, dates with our kids and our husbands mm-hmm. too. So um, just time management is really hard because it is. You feel like there's not enough hours in the day to get it all done. But right. we have a habit of usually Sunday nights. We look at our calendar for the week and we figure out who needs to be where and who's driving who where and we as in you my and husband, your husband and I, or yes. the whole family just my husband you and, and your right husband now. okay because mm-hmm. uh-huh. um, we have all the kids events on our calendar too so just that communication of having again having that plan for the week and then um, figuring out when we can have quality time you know husband and I but also with each kid and honestly if we can just take one kid a week. Yeah. I can't get all of them in in a week. So even just having, you know, maybe a lunch break on Wednesdays, it, we rotate through each kid. That'd be once a month that that kid gets a special time, you know. So I think that's one of my struggles is if I'm going to do something like that, you know, I want to be able to do it all, right, you know, right. versus, you know, what, once a up. month with one-on-one time for a special lunch date is better than nothing. That's right. And so I've got to right. lower that expectation of being like super mom because right. that's out the window. So. Or, or thinking about it and like, even if you're just going to the grocery store or going yeah. to um, walk the dog, yeah, take a kid, take one know, child or, yeah. and make that. I mean, it's not, you know, we're not going out to dinner or doing anything fancy, but we're getting time together. And yeah. so With no sometimes agenda. it's changing yeah. our, yeah. Yeah. the way we're looking at things. That downtime, I know we've talked about that before, of just understanding that it's okay to sit in a car with your child and you be the one that's quiet because that mm-hmm. gives them opportunity to right. talk. Because I feel right. like oftentimes I feel like it's my duty to manage every everybody and everything and all that, but... I've had to be purposeful to make myself be a better listener. Sure. Because I can tell you all how to do what you need to do. (laughs) And it seems that the older ones always want to talk to you after the younger ones are in bed. So it's like... You've been telling me about that and it's happening happening and I'm just like, I love my children, but I just want to go to bed. Well, and I do tell them that sometimes. My two oldest stay up later than the others. And um, there are some nights where I say, I love you, but you have to go to bed now. Like, yeah. we can't talk anymore tonight. <laughs> but I try really hard to just, I mean, my husband and I have talked about it. Yeah. We just have to let them talk because that's when things start coming out. And then yeah. one thing you, when you talk about taking a kid out for lunch or taking a kid out to the grocery store, mm-hmm. one of the big advantages of a large family is built-in babysitters. Yeah. True. Huge advantage. Yes. Because you true. can leave an older child home that to true. watch over the others where yeah. some of the younger, smaller families, right. that's right. not possible. That is true. I think it's good to focus when you have a larger family, too, that you're a team and it's teamwork and we're going to get school done and then we're going to get house chores done. And then, you know what? We have free time. Uh, we've all worked together. We've all worked hard. So now, you know, we've earned that, you know. Right masterly and activity kind of right. afternoon. And right. with Charlotte Mason's approach, you can do so many school subjects together. Yeah, sure. So it's not, 
you know, with your first grade classroom, you had certain things, every subject for the first graders, and then the second graders had every subject separate, and then the third graders. And you don't have to approach it that way. You can do so many subjects together as a family, and really just language arts and math need to be done separately. As the kids get older, they're going to have more, like science will need to be done separately. Right. Um, literature is always an interesting one because we talk about doing a family read aloud, and yeah. I often get questions, well, which I've got a huge age range. Where do I focus? How do I pick the book? Yeah. I like to say shoot for the middle, mm-hmm. but sometimes you got... I had kind of two waves going. I had two with two years between and then a four-year gap and then mm-hmm. two more. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of two waves going. Mm-hmm. And often, I already had read the book to the older mm-hmm. ones, but the younger ones hadn't had a chance to hear it yet. Mm-hmm. Right. So do you have any tips on that? I, I have a good, um, some practical advice on that that I, again, I picked this up somewhere and this has been a game changer for us because I felt like with our read aloud, now my oldest is doing some dual enrollment and she just has some other activities going on and can drive herself, which is, um, uh, kind of amazing actually. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't have said that probably a year or two ago, but, um, so I found myself, having our read aloud at lunchtime, but then she was gone sometimes. And so we wouldn't read our read aloud because we didn't want her to miss anything. And then, um, I read or heard somewhere, um, someone gave me the idea to have more than one read aloud going at Mm -hmm. a time. And this has been wonderful because now we have a read aloud that we're doing when she's home. And then we have another read aloud for when she's gone. And it's something that she's already read, but the younger ones haven't. So that's been really, really wonderful. That's brilliant. Mm -hmm. And also for our family block time, Often those things that we do together, our composer study and our poetry and our um, those kind of things, um, because she's gone a few days of the week when we're doing that time, mm-hmm. um, I just had a conversation with her. At, at some point, it's hard to give up that control mm-hmm. of she's not going to be here for everything. I want to wait for her to be here, but she's got kind of a different level of schoolwork now and that kind of thing. And so I just had a conversation with her. Okay, you're home two of those days when we're doing our family block time. Which things do you still, which are on the top on your list that you still want mm-hmm. to be involved in? And mm-hmm. so she really wanted to do our music study and she really wanted to do Shakespeare. Those are her top two. So mm-hmm. we still plan for those on the days that she's home. That's a great So that idea. way she may not be getting everything mm-hmm. anymore, but... Yeah, it's so mm-hmm. finding those different ways of working mm-hmm. around things. I feel like with a large family, that is one thing. We have this plan, mm-hmm. but I feel like the plan changes like every six weeks. I mean, <laughs> there's always something in in the dynamics of the family that's changing, or maybe you hear mm-hmm. something, or um, you give me an mm-hmm. idea. or And so being willing to tweak the plan yeah. is huge, yeah. I think. So. One comment just about the read aloud. Um, for us right now, I feel like our my battle is just our busy schedule. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, I just mm-hmm. feel like we have something every day in out of the house. And so our family read aloud is on Audible in the car. And mm-hmm. that's the time I have and the time we can do it. And nobody's going anywhere, you know. So it's like, <laughs> right. you know, we're there. And it's actually been really great because we look forward to it. It makes the... Uh, 
the car time more bearable, I guess, just mm-hmm. because I feel like we just ha- have so much going on. So right. I would love to curl up around the couch and, you know, read and enjoy that time, which we are able to do that some of the times, but, you know, practically, you know, right now, remember that too. Audible in the car. <laughs> that's right. And they're, they're making memories. Doing Again, that. I have to tell myself it's better than nothing, you know, like take advantage of what I can. Um, it's not necessarily always ideal because like you're saying, the, the plan changes sure. and, you know, a month from now we may not be in the car as much. So we'll go back to our living room setting or our lunchtime right. read aloud. Right. So sure. I just think like you're saying the flexibility right. of, sure at least having a plan, knowing what the boundaries are for what you need to accomplish, and then adjusting with it, um, Right. with that. Yes. So we've been talking about challenges, and you've given some great practical tips. I'd love to just, at the end here, brainstorm some of the blessings of doing CM with a large family, because it's real easy to get focused on the challenges mm-hmm. And we forget about all the blessings. A couple that come to my mind are your younger kids are going to have narration models built in. Absolutely. (laughs) If you're doing this all together as a family, they're going to hear those older, more experienced narrators. Mm -hmm. And so it's going to shape how well they try in their narrations and what they're going toward. I think that's huge. My um, four-year-old, I was putting him to bed the other night, and I read him a bedtime story, and he asked if he could narrate. (laughs) So he wants to narrate so badly. (laughs) It's really cute. Yeah, they, and it's amazing. They just, all of a sudden, they know things, and you're like, who taught you that? Yes, yes. (laughs) Or you're thinking, okay, I need to be sure to teach so-and-so this, and he already knows it. Yeah, Yeah, surprise, surprise. Which is another blessing that, there's such a great exchange of ideas right. Um, right. in the narrations, but also in the discussions. And as the older kids are talking about what they've gotten out of the picture study, or the, even the fact that your oldest loves mm-hmm. the Shakespeare. Right, right, yeah. That it's, is huge. Because those oldest, I will say, so it, it really does make a difference, those oldest kids, I think there is a burden on them for yes, sure. Yes. Um, and I tell my oldest, God chose you to be mm-hmm. the oldest in this family. And he chose you for a reason. And uh, because they are looked at, they're kind of up on a pedestal by the younger kids. Yeah. And so they really do kind of set a precedent for the younger kids. Um, and so um, it is really neat to see that, yes, yeah, she does have a love for Shakespeare. And the rest of my kids now think Shakespeare is the greatest thing ever. We go to the Shakespeare Tavern in Atlanta, and um, it's just it's so much fun. And the younger kids, they have some homeschool programs, so mm-hmm. it's just been At a family tavern. culture now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so now all of my younger kids just think Shakespeare is great. And so that's, that's really neat to watch. And um, I would say another thing is just in, in the daily life, um, setting up, uh, we have buddies. And so my older ones will pair with a younger child and they'll help them do chores or, you know, they'll help at cleanup mm-hmm. time and, and that kind of thing. And that's just a real practical, but it kind of builds those bonds. Yes. Um, and, uh, I grew up an only child and always wanted a big family. And, um, I had some friends when I was, um, in high school that had a large family and I thought it was the most fun to go to their house. I just loved it. And so 
it it is just a messy, beautiful thing. I mean, mm-hmm. it it for sure has its challenges, but it's just it's wonderful to watch all these kids in there. I think they they're able to have these bonds because they're together every day, all day, and they just think that's normal. I agree those those bonds that the kids form are so important whether the older to the younger, the younger to the older. Now, large families, it can be a challenge with the sibling relationships, but isn't that one of the main reasons we are bringing them up in our homes? Mm-hmm. And, and having them there every day, all day long. It's not a bad thing. <laughs> Some days it sure seems like it. <laughs> Tell myself it's not a bad thing. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Well, it seems like that just gives so much uh, room yeah. for conflict. Yes. But it also gives room for conflict resolution. Have Those you are seen life that? lessons, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Life lessons right there mm-hmm. in our home is so practical, and I'm glad I'm there for that because I'd lots rather than be in the home, hashing it out, figuring out how it should have been managed, how we can manage it better. I mean, that's what parenting is, you right. know. So, and it really is harder to be kind and to put all these virtues into practice and these good habits that we're trying to foster, it's harder to put it into practice within your own family, the people that you're with all day long, every day, than it is to go out into the world and Mm. be kind to everyone else and Mm -hmm. treat them the way we know we're supposed to. And so... Yeah, that's, that's e- way easier. Right. Yeah. They know the people in your home know you best and you know them best and so to be able to navigate those situations well, you know, is is a good thing. And that's definitely an advantage to having, you know, right. a big family. What's been coming in my head as we've been discussing is we've talked about how it's a real advantage that Charlotte Mason is not just a set curriculum because that would really make it difficult if you had to adhere to exactly this, 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 and this. But it is a group of methods, and it is atmosphere, discipline, and life. Mm -hmm. And all the ways that you've talked about how you make the atmosphere of your home and the discipline of the good habits Mm -hmm. and the living ideas that are Mm -hmm. spread, that's so flexible. No matter if you're in the car or if, if you're, you have a huge family or if you have a, one child, or it is, yeah. it is applicable to so much, mm-hmm. so many situations. And that's the beauty of Charlotte Mason. Thanks so much for sharing these great ideas and encouragement. And I hope it's been encouraging to you, whether you have a large family or a small one, or you're just researching and you don't have any kids yet at all. You have so much to look forward to with the Charlotte Mason Method. If you enjoyed this podcast, subscribe through iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. You can also subscribe to the video version of this podcast or read the blog post on our website at simplycharlottemason.com. All of those links will be in the notes, along with links to any resources that I mentioned. By the way, did you know that you can tell Siri or your Echo or Google device to play the Simply Charlotte Mason podcast? Give it a try. Thanks for joining me. I'll see you next time.